Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. I was just saying that to say, you know, she did look out for some, uh, for, you know, for, for dark skinned sisters back in a time when that wasn't, uh, you know, when they wanted the light skin stuff going, you know what I'm saying? Because I want to make sure I understand the story. You're saying that Rosie Perez had something going on here in L.A. and they were looking Mm -hmm. for dancers. Is Mm -hmm. that what you said? And so she went to go try to get, she didn't like the way that she didn't like the dancers in L.A. in Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s, which I definitely can see that era right? and and definitely needing the type of attitude that that she needed for dancers. They should have went to the Bay Area because the Bay, I I agree. Bay has more in common with, you know, New York, New York and the East Coast and the Midwest in terms of attitude and style than they do. Right. And I think dance places like New York was so much more accessible to girls in low income communities Mm -hmm. in New York. It was like everybody was dancing out there. Well, not not only that, you got Dominicans, you got Jamaicans, you got Haitians, you got everybody's there. It's a melting pot. But I guess what what I'm saying is like in L.A., while there, of course, we have a dance culture, we have drill teams and things like that. I just think in New York, the performing arts was just so much bigger on the street. Well, yeah, Alvin Ailey is there. So, yeah, we have Debbie Allen out here and all of that. But that was later. I yeah, think Debbie Allen was in L.A. later. Oh, OK. My bad. So what I think happened with her was you got to remember Rosie Lopez's style of dance was real, just in your face. Just aggressive. Real. aggressive. aggressive. Oh, no. If you, if you sing Do the Right Thing, the, the, the opening, the opening right yeah, she right. kills that uh-huh. shit. So that's the kind of attitude that she was looking for. And, you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't available in Los Angeles at the time. She wanted to go to New York to go get her people from out there. And so go ahead, Vita. What were you asking me? Oh, yeah. So I was repeating it back to make sure I understood it. So she went to New York. She got black girls, big les and Fatima, dark skinned Mm -hmm. black women. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to bring them and I guess some other dancers on. And when she got back to L.A., they said that they didn't want there was too many dark skinned women. Is that what you said? No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to put that on. They didn't say that's my that part is my conjecture. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) But but you said that Kenan, like Kenan Ivory, because this is we're talking about about for the the beginning of In Living Color. Oh, I see. Uh Okay, right, right. Comedy show In Living Color, which was the first. I mean, yeah, that was the first black led sketch comedy Sketch show comedy ever. show. It was before yeah. Def Comedy Jam, before anything. And, and this is when the, Saturday the Night Live was on a decline and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is because this is like after Eddie Murphy left Saturday Night Live. This, mm-hmm. I think, was Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live at the time? I think Chris Rock was like mid 90s, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He, he, this is before Chris Rock. So this is like, damn, I don't know who was on Saturday Night Live at I that time. Been. Because Chris Rock wasn't a well-known name until, like, after New Jack City. After New Jack, and that's 91. From what I understand, so... But damn, then you had the Chris Rock show in the in the what was that like mid to late nineties? Yeah, but Living Color is eighty eight through ninety three or something like something that. So like it's that, like yeah. it's really the beginning of a lot. And Kenny and Ivory Wayans had a lot of power at that time, like uh, right. Robert Townsend. Right, you know what exactly. saying? They, them was like one and one a outside of Bill Cosby. Robert Townsend, Kenny and Ivory Wayans, they pretty much was controlling the black black comedy scene faces. At at, yeah, comedy scene things as far like as that. making the transition from right. stage to getting it to television. Network TV, like, right. Because nobody know, black was on network TV at that time, except Arsenio. Right. That was it. Random yeah. thought, probably because I've been smoking, but they should do an unsung Hollywood <laughs> for Rosie Perez. I would totally I watch know. that. Yeah, I would too. Because I feel like she's one of those people that you see everywhere, and especially in black movies, you don't really know much about her history, but you see her in a mm-hmm. bunch of shit, especially in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. So it would be yeah. dope to see like what all she's, she's a lot like, um, and a where lot like, she's... A lot like uh, Debbie Allen or Paula Abdul. Like, Paula Abdul's been around mm-hmm. more than just singing. Yeah, her story's actually interesting. Yeah. I watched a video um, where she kind of talks about her history, and it's, it's actually a pretty cool thing. It's like some presentation she's doing, and in the background, they had like a little video. She was part of the little video thing, explaining her like, how she became a dancer. Mm-hmm. And her story was actually really interesting. I, my only thing about Paula Abdul is that she just couldn't sing. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much my <laughs> only thing. I mean, I thought she sounded horrible 
I mean, you, you know her songs because you hear them your whole life. But speaking of which, that's that's who was doing the LA choreography at the time. Exactly. It was right. Court, she was doing choreography for Janet Jackson. And notice right. the kind of stuff she was doing. Exactly. She's doing right. big Hollywood stuff, right? Yeah, right. And, I mean, she right. was the reason why she was a part of that whole Lakers Showtime. You know, Showtime yeah, Lakers. Lakers girl. Thing. Yeah. Because remember, that was like the whole aim of the Lakers to make it Hollywood, right? Make yep. them superstars. Mm-hmm. We got to mm-hmm. be everywhere. All the way down to your halftime show. All the way down mm-hmm. to your cheer squad, right? Because yeah, so, nobody was doing that before the Lakers. And Paula, and if you look at Paula Abdul's moves, it's funny because she, she talked about this. She did America too, I think. She did. And if, if you look at her hand movements and how she dances, it's not mm-hmm. in your face. She makes mm-hmm. really big moves. It's always long arms, long, you know, stretching mm-hmm. your arms and legs out constantly, Super right? Exaggerated movement. Exactly. Exactly. It's just the way she white women dance today. And she talked. That's literally exactly. You're right. Exactly right. Um, but if you look at her little video where she was talking about it, she says she's literally does that on purpose because she's a short dancer, which I mm. never even noticed she was short because she because of how she dances. But she's actually a really tiny person. That she's like for a dancer, she's like five four something or five five, which yeah. is kind of short. Dancers have long legs. Right. So I can see her doing the LA. If you look about LA style and who's choreographing stuff on in LA, big Hollywood stuff is definitely mm-hmm. Paula Abdul. So I can see Rosie Perez being like, "No, I need down to earth. I need street level." You right. know, and she's not from LA, so she's not going to know who in South Central to talk to. Right, right, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. That's dope. But what I, well, the reason why I brought that up initially was just to say that she did try to look out for some for some sisters. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like she, oh, give me the give me J Lo. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like that. She did try to look out for some. And for, for and for those that don't know, Big Les is the dancer at the beginning of Living Single. Mm-hmm. Remember that she you was know also host so... of Rap City too for a long time. Her I was going to say the only reason I even know her at all is from Rap City. Yeah, Rap City. That's where she's I first. She's a she's a dope ass. To this day, she's a dope ass dancer. But she's the one dancing the silhouette model and living she be single. Killing it in that shit. She be hopping all high and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing all kind of little kick. kick <laughs> <and> little <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she but, ain't that uh, tall either. But she thick and she dark. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I didn't know Big Les wasn't that tall. She just look at how she dances. Very, uh, she dances big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a big girl. Like she's not fat big, but like just big, thick. You know, she's yeah, a, booty cheeks. You know, yeah, hams had that that physique. <laughs> and I, I could also see L.A. being uh, less open to physique. Because remember, everybody was really skinny. skinny oh, yeah. back look at the uh, music look videos. at the um. Remember, uh, Young MC. Mm-hmm. Go look at Young MC and Tone Loke's video back then. Oh Even yeah, NWA's videos. Mm-hmm. Right, young the girls in the bust a move, videos. right? Yeah, yeah. You yep. gotta say that for some people. They don't know who's you name it. I know. I forgot. Like. I'm old. But I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> but is, they probably is. know their hit songs. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, they definitely know bust a move. Like, exactly. you know, oh yeah, they played. If you white listening, you've heard that song at your party. Don't act like you haven't. I know. You people I love that song. It's so funny. Is that he was one of the first rappers to get uh, full royalty rights or something like that yeah. for that? Really. Song. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that was which was unheard of for the time. You they know, probably absolutely. didn't, but you think about it, they probably didn't expect the song to get as big as it did. They because, did because uh-huh. remember, he's also the very first rap artist to think cross over to pop charts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, especially at the level he did, I think he did he go to number? I think he went to number one, didn't he? Yeah, and he was so, before Hammer. Yeah, so he was like the first. So when you think about it that way, they probably didn't even expect him to make much money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you bring up a young MC, somebody that never gets the credit. But if you, I've seen many interviews and people talk about him. A person that one has gets full royalties for all their stuff, but is still getting crazy money and was mm-hmm. a and was a uh, I don't want to call him an influencer, but a pioneer. Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot has a crazy ass story about um, really Baby Got Back. You That's know, pretty much where it started. You know what's funny, Kenny? <laughs> the only people I've ever in my entire life give credit to Sir Mix-a-Lot are people who are from up north where you are. Portland, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle, Seattle. and maybe and maybe parts of the Bay. But He's literally a with independent music. nobody else ever brings him up outside of just one song. Like that you like nobody knows his story. Like I've never I don't even know people who know my posse's on Broadway. My I was just gonna say Broadway. that was before Baby Got Back. Before. That was way before Baby yeah, Got man, Back. Was, my posse's yeah. on Broadway. Beepers. But that was a niche hit. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. really a hit. It mm-hmm. was niche. 
you know. But it wasn't local though. That wasn't just local in the Pacific Northwest. It went to LA. You know what I'm saying? He no, was, it, oh, yeah. No, it Rodney went everywhere. Joe Cooley, yeah. But in but in the hip hop niche is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Hip hop, they'll try to make it look like, oh, that was just some Seattle shit. You know, right? When they think about Seattle. They think about Macklemore or some shit. But if there is no <laughs> Macklemore without Sir Mixlot and what he did, you know, Baby Got Back. How many commercials have you seen that on? Oh, or movies, especially them white boy or comedy TV movies. shows. It's on TV Friends. Shows. He said that when he made that song, they didn't think that song was going anywhere because what he was talking about. He's you know literally he, dissing white women. So it makes yes. it so funny. Yes. And that's what, that was his whole point. He was like, I'm tired of seeing basically what he said in the song. I got tired of seeing that. So this is what we did. But nobody thought the song was going anywhere. He gets full royalties for it. He said there's a check coming in his mailbox at least once a week for someone wanting to use that song. I believe but, it. And I don't Which, even want to talk about the bag he got from when Nicki Minaj sampled that. I'm sure he got you know, you know what's funny is <laughs> this shows you how this is a trip how cultural culture progresses. The asses in that song would be considered small asses today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the same thing. But you know what though? It's funny because I even for back then, I didn't think they had big asses. I see what big asses look like. Right. But but it was bigger than what you saw on TV. Right. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's the part that people miss. It's like for what you saw on TV, that's probably just what he the biggest there was allowing him to go. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. But you know, it's funny, Vita. I remember a conversation we had maybe last year or so. We were, y'all were talking about you didn't think J Lo had a big ass. It's funny. Yesterday, no, that I was me. That back, was me, you, and T. You know, Vita was in I on said, that. I know, too. I, I, I know. I said yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I definitely. So I went that. back and I remember I said I don't know if it was a big, but she had a, a shapely ass. You know, you can have a, a shapely ass. It doesn't mean yeah. that it's a big ass. It could just be shapely. I went back and I looked at some of the old videos of her that used to drive everybody crazy, like the green Versace dress and all of that. I said, well, I'll be damned. It doesn't look awesome. <laughs> it don't. It's not. It literally it's was not. a Chris Rock joke. And then after that, yeah. it became a thing about her ass. Because remember, we, no. I, we, Selena, remember we, I think we said Selena had a big ass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I swear to you, at that time, I thought J-Lo had a big ass. Like the it power was, of com- That's just, the power of discussion. But then, remember, Serena Williams was known for having a big ass. And I went and I looked back at some of those early 2000s photos of her, you know, the one infamous or famous cat suit, uh, cat suit, suit yeah. hat on and all of that. I said, damn, it don't even look all, <laughs> it don't even look all that big. I guess like now everything is just so ridiculously blown out of proportion that it, it, oh. it literally just changed the way we view, you know, a derriere would have, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't know. I feel like Serena's ass was big in that cast suit. Cause it, but I think it's certain shots when like when she's up in the air, her arc right. is arched and she's swinging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you also got to remember Serena Williams is pretty tall for a woman. She's like five. Right. Oh, but true. I remember when I first saw that, I was like, damn. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I was like, yeah. damn. But, I have that was, that also, was like 2002, 2003. But we got to remember, this is what I had to come to the conclusion with. We did not see that no. that often back then. That was not no. something right. that you were accustomed to seeing all the time. Like I so said, you only they, saw it in Luther Campbell videos right. that's only, or Supercat right. videos. That's the only time you're going to see a fast. Barely <laughs> at that. You had to be watching <laughs> BET After Dark. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember back in the day, they wouldn't even show a thong on TV. They would Hell blur no. Yep. Or if it was a song in a video, they would blur it out. I think the yep. first video I ever saw where they didn't blur out the woman's thong was the dog pound, let's play house. That okay. video I saw on BET After Dark and they they didn't blur it out. Yo, was, that's true. I remember the rap videos when the girls had thongs, they blurred them out. You're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they didn't have thongs on in the Rex and Effect video. Right. I think they some of them, I think, I think a couple of them did. I think it was like one or two, but it's nothing like with Cisco with the thong song. Say what you want about how commercial that was or whatever and corny, but that just like took it to a whole nother level. Now it's just like, you it's know, but he it, don't even get money for that song, really. Like Ricky right. Martin gets all the, the bread for that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, But he gets all the bread for the thong song. Yeah, yeah, because he got that stupid line. That one line just fucked up the bag for him. Living la vida loca. Yep, yep. living oh. la vida loca. Yeah, that that line wasn't they cleared. Didn't cleared. Oh uh, damn. So, yeah, yeah. Ain't that something? Which is crazy. I mean, I'm sure he's not broke off it, so I'm not really too. Mm-hmm. Sad, that, but, it's like Peter Gunn and Lord Tariq and that uh that uptown song. Steely Dan gets every dime. I mean, but, but that's a blatant sample though. Like it that's was. the whole song. But nigga, man, damn, can a nigga eat? 
No. But that's how, but that's the game. You know, and, no. <laughs> short answer. I was about to give a whole long extended response. Mario, you're right. Just no. <laughs> no, nigga. You can't. Nah, because look, look, a lot of those acts, they weren't making money like that. No, even at all. White, at all. Even the white at ones all. weren't making money. That's no. why a lot of these people still touring to this fucking day. That's true. That's true. And plus, they so was on that. drugs back in the day. So, you know, they spent yeah, a lot of that money on yeah, cocaine yeah. and. Yeah, labels man. got all that bread, bro. That's why fucking Aerosmith and, uh, and stole yeah, they did. Money. They did. Yeah, uh, 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 um, they did. 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 They that's what I, this is my whole thing. And I think we've talked about this before, Kenny. Like, I would love to see rappers, our legendary rappers, be able to tour and sell out stadiums. Oh, you know? man. Yeah. That, I, we we have, just, we I just, just had this conversation last night with my boy. Swear. Just had this conversation. I went and seen Big Daddy Kane 2016. And it was a small venue. It was probably about a venue that seated 350 people. Mm-hmm. About 200 people there. So it looked packed. That's disrespectful. Yeah, for sure. You see what Big Daddy Kane was doing at the Versus thing? Big Daddy Kane is a master of hip hop. But see, here's the thing. There's a way to do it. It's you got to you got to keep those dudes names in the mindset of the general like put them on features, you know what I'm saying? You got to you got to do stuff like that. The the but, younger but, but dudes this are, is what happens. Are, this is what happens. You got to put them on features, you got to young dudes, but this is what happens though. The young rappers get influenced to be a hater by the labels. No, I, I think it's that. But remember, Ken, remember we had this conversation a couple of years ago. We did a show where we were talking about generation versus generation. Remember, we came to this conclusion that also because the older generation spent so much time hating on the younger generation. Yeah, I've heard I've Younger heard generation just be like, man, fuck y'all then. You know what I'm saying? But, like, but, but, hold, on, the- hold on, hold on, hold on. This is what I'm going to say about that. Okay. Now, we're talking about hip hop and the haters. Now, we can look at it. Most of the time, the only rappers of young guys mm-hmm. that will embrace the older generation are guys like a Joey Badass, Griselda. Mm-hmm. Kendrick, rappers like that. The ones that are on these major labels that get promoted to be the next whatever little such and such, they're being pushed to not fuck with the older dudes. Now, when we're talking about the older dudes hating, most of them older rappers that be hating are not relevant. They ain't been relevant a long time. They really weren't relevant. They really weren't relevant when they were around. So wait, wait, wait. So this is my thing. Like just overall, though. The fact that we even have to have this conversation only has happened in hip hop. Like you're talking about, oh, you mm-hmm. have to put them on features and all this stuff. You know, if Whitney Houston was alive today, she could drop an album and probably sell out. Shot Days is Period. alive today. Let Shot Day drop yeah. something tomorrow. Period. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Dolly yeah. Parton. It shouldn't should, should have Parton to be has, the young dudes putting old dudes but, on. But listen, you know. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have all these other genres where you don't have to do all this trickery to get people to go to right, a show, right, 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 to get people right. to buy their music. They're going to sell regardless because of who they are. Why don't we have that same thing in hip-hop? And because why do we have to have all these other Because hip-hop is expendable. That's why. Hip-hop is expendable and disposable. This is the way it works. Whenever a rapper gets to a certain age, the culture or the labels or how, however this works, whether it's social media, influence, whatever, they find a way to fade these people to the back. Whether they're still making good music or not. I, I heard a song day before yesterday with uh, Arrested Development and Big Daddy Kane was featured on it. Them niggas was spitting. Mm. They was spitting. And this is the thing. Sometimes an older rapper will sound dated a little mm. bit. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, Big Daddy Kane sound like he came out yesterday. And mm. I'm not saying it because I'm a Kane fan or I'm older or nothing, nothing like that. I'm just calling it what it is. I know hip hop when I hear it. I know good hip hop. Because, you know, sometimes an older rapper, like I'll give you a perfect example. On the new um on the new Nas album, there's a song called EPMD and uh Eminem is on it with Eric Sermon and Parrish. Oh yeah. If you listen to Eric Sermon and Parrish's verses, they sound dated. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they weren't there when the beat was made or something. Like it's just something yeah. don't sound right. They're, I think... too, they're almost too on beat. You know what I'm saying? Can is spitting. Yeah. Well, see, we're in the era of pop hop right now. So what ends up happening, this is just my conjecture, why I call it pop hop is because. It's remember the boy bands from back in the day, like you know, started with New Kids on the Kids Block, on the block and then NSYNC, uh, Backstreet, blah 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 blah. <laughs> Those groups were in and out fast yeah, as hell, oh, right? Yeah. They and they'll pick one base. guy from the group and he becomes a star, like Justin Timberlake. Oh, did Mario? Did we lose Mario? I I don't know. 
Mario. <laughs> Fans got him. him. He was trying to duck him earlier. I guess they got him. You hear? Oh, there, there you go. go. Okay. Fans got what, what did you guys? What's the? Yeah, really though. What's the? What's the last thing you guys heard me say? No, I said no. You were saying talking about the groups from back in the day, and I said they usually pick one person out of the group, and he becomes a star, right. like Justin like Timberlake or whatever. The Wahlberg yeah. brothers, or whatever their name was. I think hip hop, and I don't even call it hip hop no more. That's so why I say it's more like pop hop because they pick a couple of dudes to to represent where that where this movement is right now, and the older dudes are not even. It's almost like it's a different genre of music, really, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. We're not. We're talking about at this point. We're talking about two separate things. That's what I think. What was what we consider to be hip hop, and what we're talking about is not what dudes are doing right now. You right. know what I'm saying? It's almost its own genre of music. So that's another reason. And and the older rappers don't fit. Hell, the ones that's hot right now that still got like an old school style. They don't really. fit fit as much into the direction that popular hip-hop is in right now you know what i'm saying like it, it's it's almost like a totally different art form so that's another reason why i think it's harder to keep the old heads relevant is because you're talking about a totally different genre of music a totally different audience yeah I, and every- I think, but go back to what Vito was saying though but, but what you said Vito, like we shouldn't have to do all these magic tricks right. just to get people to get into hip hop or in, into certain artists that at one point in time was dope and still is dope. But now we got to put this nigga on with this dude and now we got to do a remix and put him that's on. That's because the audience is different, bro. But, but, this, but this is the question. But why is the audience different? Because this is the thing. We know the reason why these legendary acts can tour is because the people that grew up with them are going to buy tickets. The generation that they raised is going to pick up, you know, that generation's kids is going to be listening to them. And that following generation is going to be into them, right? Like Michael Jackson's fans, Michael Jackson's dead and little kids still want to be Michael Jackson. Right. So what is it that hip hop is lacking in? that we can't seem to do have that same sort of impact. I think you guys raised a really good point in this last two things you guys were pointing out. And one of those things is, you know, and you guys can say this directly, but pretty much what you guys are saying leads to this. Hip hop changes so quickly. The mm-hmm. style changes so quickly. Every 10 years, it sounds different. Mm-hmm. If you go back 10 years ago, and it's funny because my little brother, he's 16, right? Mm-hmm. He can listen to a song. He goes, wow, that sounds old. And it's mm. early 2000s. That don't sound old to me. So to me, it sounds nuts. I'm like, what are you talking about? It just sounds... But T.I. sounds old to him. <laughs> you know? I'm like, these beats are hard. He's like, yeah, it's good. But it's good music. And he fucks with it. And I noticed that there are certain people that are old that he likes, like Wu-Tang Clan, which is right. really mm-hmm. rare for a L.A. black kid, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I remember... I had my classmates, they love Wu-Tang Clan when it first was hot, especially, you know, Cream. And then when, right. when Killer Beat, when, uh, uh, what was the name of the second album with uh, Triumph on there? Oh, Man, yeah, yeah. Wu-Tang Clan. I used to want to smack my my cl- my teammates because <laughs> I was, at that point, I was just fully dialed in with the West Coast. I wasn't fucking <laughs> with no Coast, nothing. You know, I, was, I was a full participant yeah, in I the can East see Coast, that. West Coast thing, right? <laughs> It was so stupid. You are, I know. It's so funny. But youth. <laughs> the days of youth. Yeah, again, my mic came out. Oh, I said the days of youth. <laughs> it's just... Oh, shit. But, but this is the thing. Come like, our, our our hip-hop probably just changes so quickly. And because it's the big... And notice now, it's the biggest genre in the world. It's literally... In the world, yeah. It's yeah. literally the biggest genre in the entire world. Every sure. other genre that's cre- been created in the last 20, 30 years has been branched off of hip-hop, Absolutely. right? That's even true. the style of R&B that got popular, the dance R&B doesn't even sound like R&B. You went R&B to sound... Dance R&B was September by Earth, Wind & Fire. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. and now dance R and B sounds like rap songs with singers singing over. Well, that's, right, that's that's due to Mary J. Blige, Grand Poobah, Puff Daddy. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's, that's not a complaint. That the music and the music's good. It's not a complaint. Yeah, like there's nothing wrong with creative. it. No. But yeah. when it gets commercialized, that's when I think we get to lose our opportunities to uh and, there, really and, there's, too many, and there's too many people. There's too many people telling us what's dope and what's not. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. It shouldn't be Leor Cohen and all these right. other dudes. And not not because they white. Not not because they white. Because there's people out there like Dante, um, what's his name? Um uh, what's his name? He was down with the Beastie Boys back in the day. I forgot his name. Or or what's his name? Rick Rubin. They know hip hop. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They come from hip hop. Motherfuckers so I, go to Rick Rubin like when they want to put out a masterful album. Like he's some absolutely. type of hip hop. Uh, 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 um, what the hell do you call it? Uh, uh, what do you call those people that, you know, they're like a, um, a guru or something like that? Well, I mean, like, at the end of the day, it wasn't Russell. It was Rick. It wasn't Russell. Russell didn't know shit about hip hop. He didn't man. know shit. They could have signed Nas. He going to say he didn't sign Nas because he sounded like G-Rap. Russell Russell didn't know shit about hip hop. It was Rick Rubin that produced um Jazzy J. He did that. Mm. T La Rock. He did that. That wasn't that wasn't Russell. Russell was just that. a nigga that had the influence. And his brother was Joey. His brother is Joey, which is Run. Russell didn't yeah. know shit. Rick Rubin is the yeah. one that woke him up to LL Cool J. It wasn't Russell. Was he more was of a it? business mind? Remember we had no, that conversation. He was, he was the one. The... He was the one producing hip hop beats in his college dorm. But Russell, what was, Russell, what was, so what was well, Russell's Russell, role? Russell had the streets. Russell was the seat, was the type of dude that he was. He knew the the street business angle. Yeah, he had the streets. He knew he knew Jay. Jay is a street dude. Run wasn't a street dude. D wasn't a street dude. Jay was. Mm. We know Jay dead now. Jam Master Jay. Yeah, but Russell and them, they wasn't. Nah, it wasn't them. It was Rick Rubin. You know what I'm saying? Damn, so I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know Rick Rubin no. was that deep. But but yeah. I do think, see, I'm one of those people who I kind of feel like you do have to keep certain things black. Um, and I do believe that you got to, I, I don't listen to white people at all when it comes to tasting music. However, I do, uh, I do think. Dante Ross. Like, That's what I think about Dante Ross. I do think people like Rick Rubin understand the music business and how to get things to the masses. And I think sometimes artists, that's where they fail at. Like they know how to make music that they like for their circle. They don't always know how to make that translate to bigger audiences. So I could definitely give them credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as listening to what's good, I, I I can't listen to white people because I feel like they don't create anything. So how would they fucking know? You know, well, I was I mean, listening to, you know, I listen to a lot of world music, right? And I won't say a lot, but sometimes I get into world music. Um, and salsa is one of those interesting genres where you have uh, the genre that exists in the actual countries versus what we might know because of the Latino communities in America, like Celia Cruz. But even we're talking about American Latin music or Latin American, Latin American Latin music. One thing that's always abundantly clear is it sounds African as fuck. Right. Yeah, yeah. So almost any genre you listen to, whether you're in America or other places in the world, it's African as fuck. Right. Mm-hmm. What have, what genre do we listen to today that white people created? None. Not a single solitary right. one. But that's different. That's, that's not what that's genres different. that are popular so, but, uh, to listen. Yeah, like for example, even or if you talk about country yeah. music, country music is black music. The banjo's an African instrument. You wouldn't have country music without black people. But, but Vita, you this know? is what you got to understand: that people that are making music, especially when it comes to hip hop at that time, we're talking 1983, 1984. They didn't give a fuck about none of that. So I didn't wait, hear. Wait, wait, wait. Don't give a fuck about. Don't give a fuck about. They didn't care about banjo. They didn't care about anything being African. This because we're talking about New York. So but I'm not, but this, nobody, I'm not talking about people. I'm confused by that because I'm not saying anything about people. Because I don't think people cared or consciously thought about any. No, of because it. you were you, because you were talking about you don't care about what white people they didn't create anything, all this kind of stuff. That doesn't really matter when it comes to hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Do, because it, but doesn't. It, it matters when it comes to anything. Because I don't no, think it, they, do, it I don't doesn't. Think, I'm gonna tell you why it okay. doesn't matter. I'm gonna explain to you why it doesn't matter. So we're talking about hip hop now. Have you ever seen the movie um, Style Wars? Yes, you Style Wars years okay. ago. And, yeah, in Style Wars, nobody nobody cared about what race they was. They was all out there bombing, right? That's what they did, graffiti, right? Uh-huh. When you hear the music that was attached to that. When you're talking about hip-hop in that time in New York City, everything is coming together. So when you grow up listening to punk rock, which was big in New York at that time, CBGB, all that shit, that was influenced. Hip-hop was directly influenced from punk rock because they couldn't play, they couldn't play anywhere except for where the punk rock artist was playing at. They couldn't play downtown. They had to go where all the dirty motherfuckers was. So they're all meshing together. They're all listening to bongo rock. They're all listening to uh, Led Zeppelin. They're all listening to all this different music. Nobody is looking at this and saying, this is where this came from. Nobody is giving, they don't even give DJ Hurt, Cool Hurt credit for being the creator of DJing and hip hop. They giving it to another guy. So everybody is always taking something from someone else. But nobody is nobody consciously thought about hip hop and said the reason why we're doing it is because of this. No, it was just something. Honestly, and this is this is my opinion. It's almost like the Big Bang Theory. It just happened. But that wasn't a claim that I made. I wasn't saying anything about. uh... No, because you you brought you brought somebody's race into it. So what I'm saying is that really is not a factor when we're talking about hip hop. 
But you're saying people didn't consciously think of something. I never said anything about about people consciously thinking about anything or if no. But you, what I'm saying, saying you I, the, I, the aspect of race I, into it. But what I'm saying is that I don't. When it comes to hip hop or anything else that Black people have uh, created. Whether or not they were around at the time is irrelevant to me. Well, what I'm saying is it's hard for me to take any opinion they have about our music, about anything that we create. I can't take their opinion seriously. I understand if you understand how to make things better in, in business, like, because that's the world that they got the opportunities to do that in, right? I we're not that. talking Rick Ru- when we're talking about Rick Rubin, we're not talking about business. We're talking about creating hip hop. So Rick Rubin ain't the businessman. Been, he been in it from the beginning, basically. Yeah, Rick Rubin wasn't the businessman, that was Russell. Interesting. The person so, that I just told you, the person that he, crea- that created T. Rock and J- Jazzy J was Rick Rubin. He created that song. He wasn't the businessman. He was on the boards making that beat. Not Russell. Russell don't make beats. Okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying now. Because you're saying that he was an active participant in making the yeah, music. Yeah, he wasn't just a guy record, sitting the there pontificating. The, no, so, okay, that's no. a different point. I, I agree with that then. I was speaking more so, I guess, of like a Lior Cohen. You know what no, I mean? No, 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 like, no, no. Or people, or just no, no, people, no, no, people no. who sit up in award shows and, d- and decide no, 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 who's no, going to get not a Rick Grammy. Rubin. That's not or, Rick Rubin. No. Um, but I, that's who I'm speaking more to. Not necessarily, with your specifics around Rick Rubin, I think you're right. Like, I think, but I think that to me would be an exception. Like, I would be like, okay, somebody like him, okay, I can respect that. He can, he, you know, he, we could definitely listen to him, take, you know, take his comments. But, the, but, there, but there's been more, but, there's more, there's more, there's Paul C, there's Dante. I'm not Rock, saying there aren't others. I'm not saying there aren't any others. I'm saying, to me, those will still be outliers in comparison to the number of Black people who've created and built this genre with or without a major label. Well, yeah, because there's been well, a lot of Black people more to, wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, Ken. Are you speaking more toward the 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 business aspect and the consumption of it? What gets what gets uh, played and listened to, and who makes the decisions on what's hot? Blah 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 blah. Is that what you more speaking to, Vita, or you're um, talking about the creation of the music in and of itself? Yeah, I'm talking about with the first part. I'm talking about people who are in that part of it, but not in the creation part. So the white people okay. who are in the business aspect, but aren't in the creation part. I just Oh, I yeah, think, I was never talking about business. I was yeah. talking about the creation so, of the actual And that's why I was saying I finally understood what you were saying when you pointed out that Rick Rubin was an active participant in the music. And that's why you're talking about him in particular and that there are others that are like him. Do I think they're the majority? I don't know. Probably not. No. Um, but I do think that those to me would still be outlier outliers or exceptions. Because overall, I think a lot of white people in the industry take credit for creations of Black people and they'll say, oh, this is my idea or this is, and it's not. And we know that happens. So that was thinking more so along those lines, not about people who are actually true and active and creators. So that makes a big difference. Uh, Fortunately, and and we've made this point on this show before, we've been poor stewards of the culture in a lot of ways too. Um, oh, yeah. If you, a lot of people give, I'm going to just bring this up. Um, let's talk about funk for a second, right? A lot of what is keeping funk alive in modern times is, is, is white dudes that are, that are keeping funk going. You know what I'm saying? Like the tuxedo, what is it? What is that crew called? Oh, uh, tuxedo? Tuxedo. Tuxedo. And it, it, when Tariq was making the Mink Slide album, um, to di- get a lot of the, the type of beats that he was looking for, he had to deal with a lot of white people because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of black folks just let that genre of music damn near die off. And it was white people that kept it going. You know what I'm saying? And that's it's another conversation. Much, it's pretty much Dame Funk and nobody else. Right. And then, Kenny, you've had conversations with T when you guys used to do music episodes talking about how when you would go to some of these uh, some of these record shops and you would see it's nothing but white and Asian dudes there digging through crates, looking for old sides and all that kind of shit. You rarely see black people in there and they're doing that. So that's another conversation that needs to be had. So when we talk about like how hip hop is now and what's influential now and why older uh, acts don't get the love today, blah, 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 blah. We have an active role in allowing that to transpire too, because we just go well, along. I think it's, I think we have a 100% active role. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we participate in the I, microwave I, ability I of it's, the culture. It's totally us. I, I, I blame yeah. us 100%. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's interesting how you were just describing how it's the other cultures, white and Asian in particular, that are at the shops and are, but I always feel like it's, it's similar to how black kids, when they get into like anime or mm-hmm. they get into like Japanese culture or something, it's mm-hmm. more so like we I don't, Japanese kids in Japan probably don't give a fuck about half that shit. 
<laughs> these black no, 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 no. They do. <laughs> Believe me, they. I'm a big anime hit. They do. See, that's see the difference Maybe on what so. you're saying. V, but, but I guess is, what I'm saying is, there's probably also people who aren't. You know what I mean? Like, there's. I guarantee you, there are also things that people. When you're looking at a culture from the outside, there are mm-hmm. things that you're going to be into that other people probably take for granted because it's just a part of who their culture. They don't really think about funkadelic in Parliament because they, their mama plays that shit when they clean in the house. You know, Indeed. so it's a. But, wait, hold on, hold on. So it's not an anomaly for them. If you're a white and Asian kid and your parents weren't listening to this, and mm-hmm. now you're like, oh shit, this is some stuff I got to go digging through the crates, and this is the same shit your grandma or your grandpa or your uncle that they play at barbecues and shit. It doesn't doesn't have the same it's, it's just what it is it doesn't feel different for you well i wouldn't go digging through the crates for half the shit that i listen to because i've i've been listening to it my whole life it's just music that i know that white but white people just i knew a lady who just discovered jill scott you know what i mean and then she's mm. obsessed with jill scott because it was never a part of her world white people weren't listening to jill scott right. they didn't give a fuck about what was going on in the in right. neo soul music <laughs> you know i think i think a lot but, of times what ends up happening though, is for let me for, let me oh, go ahead go ahead go ahead finish your point go ahead but with vita what you're saying is is how you remain a perpetual consumer and not get into the point where you're controlling where the culture goes. You just That's true. What you just described is 100% consumption. That's okay. it. True. Very very you know true. What I'm Absolutely. You the power of keeping it alive and molding it and 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 controlling where it goes in the hands of other people. You're just a, a passive participant when all you do is just listen to the shit at a family barbecue. You feel me? Like right. It's a that's true. Type of thing. Go ahead. Not, I think that, I that's think a good point because you're well, just real quick. That's a good point because you're saying that you're not a steward of the culture. Right. You're just there. But but the then thing you about can't get, then you get mad when you see a white person. You know. Uh, being the curator curator at a hip hop museum or some shit. But you know I, I, I mean? but I want to ask this then though because you were because we were talking about like how these other white artists are keeping funk alive and I always wonder this too though is it that they're keeping funk alive or is that they've been given the opportunity to have certain platforms right because when good. I yeah because the thing is like I you know if you're into like local music scenes and things like that like I am you hear a lot of the same similar styles that you hear on the radio but just done differently by with white people you know um like a lot of these singers like Adele a perfect example. One thing I say about Adele, she does write her songs. She writes really damn good songs. So this is not a knock on Adele at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And she's very talented. But um, there are a lot of black singers that I would hear that sound just as good or not, or if not better than sure. Adele, who makes the same style of music, right? But for whatever reason, they don't get the same opportunities. They don't get put on. They don't have the same opportunity to sell. And mm-hmm. and so I'm just so I'm not saying that it's always the case. Maybe definitely we need more artists that are that are already up. And I would say Kendrick does a good job of this. He enlists a lot of old artists to participate in the production of his music, right? Um, Yeah, so I think, so there's artists that definitely do that. However, you know, I'm wondering if a lot of the music that we're hearing, like a Bruno Mars is given the opportunity because he's Bruno Mars. They feel like he can sell, right? And to be fair, he wasn't making the same type of music when he first came out. He was making some other pop shit. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so does it that we just don't know about these other artists, Black artists? Like there's a group out here called, um, oh my God, get the something. I can't think. That's what it'd be, but I can't think of the name. Bongo. The genre. It's like, a, I want to say it's like a funk Latin hip hop style. <laughs> it's hard to explain. But to me, they're really good. And I would see them at like festivals, local festivals and events, but they'll, they'll probably never blow up. They don't have the look of a hot band, but the music, you'd be like, damn, actually, this could probably be a hit on the radio, but they'll never get on the radio. Yeah, go ahead, Ken. You got the so, floor. But- so, you know, that's a that's another big problem with it. But we know that goes all the way back to even with Barry Gordy and Motown and what they wanted to put out there. Like they wanted you to look a certain kind of way. If you yeah, sound, you know, that's so, true. I mean, that assimilationist but, but, pop crossovers yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's entertainment, period. You know what I'm saying? And that crosses racial boundaries, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to entertainment. But when it comes to hip hop, I think uh, what Mario is saying that we just endless consumption, it's just endless consumption. You know, a lot of us really don't put it this way. And this sounds fucked up. We we care about hip hop the same way we care about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and everything else that has been black that's in, that has empowered us at one point in time. It could it can be dis, it's disposable. We'll use it during Black History Month, and then Ooh, we won't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what we do with hip hop. As soon as Macklemore came out and won that Grammy over Kendrick, we all gave a fuck. Mm -hmm. After it was all over, we said uh, To Pimp a Butterfly was Hotep music. Ouch. 
You know what I'm saying? Ow. So at the end of the day, if you love what you created, you're going to act like it. But the, the thing is that what we don't want to we don't want to admit is we don't love it. We don't love hip hop. We don't love R&B. We damn sure don't love jazz. We gave that shit up. We let it go. We sold it. We, you know what? We didn't even sell it. We just it was a garage sale. Miles Davis was in there. Lou Donaldson was in there. They all were standing oh, in there with they, with their horns and shit, Ow. man. And we were like, oh, y'all want feelings, these niggas? Man. You want these niggas right here? Go ahead. Take them too with the Nintendo. We don't need that Nintendo no more. Just take them niggas with you. You know oh, what I'm saying? Man. And then when some when a white boy comes out like an Eminem, like a Macklemore, Kenny G we, with jazz. Oh, don't even get me started on that shit. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> like, and that we goes had, to Mario's point about it, about it being on us. Yeah, you it's know, on us because we don't care. That's why the point I was making is when I went to see Big Daddy Kane, Big Daddy Kane should have been playing at the Moda Center, not at the fucking Starlight Theater, downtown right. Portland. He should have been where the Blazers play. Right. If that's Bruce Springsteen and Bruce Springsteen oh, come out today and says, I'm doing a world tour, it's selling out in New York City. How All the tri-state area is getting sold out. But do you think that the fact that hip hop changes so quickly from decade to decade, that the overlap if for general and not just changes so quickly has become more commercial and in being more commercial, transforming the style to be more appealing? No, I don't believe you know, that. I'm going to tell you why. To, wait, wait, I didn't finish the question. <laughs> so that any of that, the fact that hip hop changes so quickly and it doesn't have that same overlap generationally the way that other genres and other artists have been able to make their music overlap generationally. You don't think that has an impact on that turnout to a stadium? You know no, what I mean? Because no. like my baby brother, like also my baby brother, let's say like like me, I'll go to an Anita Baker concert and that's... <laughs> More so my mom's generation. You know what I mean? I would go to... If Whitney Houston was alive, of course, I, I could get Whitney Houston tickets. I would go. If Sade had a concert, I would... I mean, I would try to go ASAP. No hesitation, right? You but don't that's, know how hard I tried to go to Anita Baker's last... Uh, <laughs> man. But, but but to me, that's a generational overlap. I mean, I was born in the 80s. Sade made, started in the 80s. So it's clearly mm. not music I was listening to in my teen years, right? So... But for some reason, her music overlapped generationally to where I would now today go to the same concert that my mother would go to. And know I, I, the don't, songs I don't, I don't think because I, mean, I, I wouldn't go to a Big Daddy Kane concert. I have no interest in listening to Big Daddy Kane. I, I didn't listen to him growing up. I would probably okay, wouldn't even go so to a rock concert. You, I would go to KRS-One. This is the reason why it that it, I say no. The reason why I say no is because in different cultures, they pass down their music. We don't. When something comes out, it gets hot, it gets old, we leave it there. We don't pass hip-hop, down music. We don't pass down. I'm talking about hip hop. Oh, hip hop. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I was going to disagree on, with R&B and shit like no, no, that. No, 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 no. I'm talking no. about hip hop. You know, Boyz II okay, is probably okay. in Vegas selling out a show today. I don't know. True, true. Howard yeah. Hewitt or some shit. Shalimar, I don't know. But all Richie, of them. Richie, all Richie got a show right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm saying, they always going to sell out. Jackson, all of them. All of them. Alexander O'Neal, they all probably going to sell out their show. you're right. Yeah. Because they, one, they're playing in smaller venues. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two, they have a they have a target audience. Hip hop supposedly has a target audience, but if you think about it, it really doesn't because it, it's it's for anybody. But we don't pass down hip hop the way we pass down R and B the same way white folks pass down Bruce. Why Springsteen. don't we? The same reason why I said we don't give a damn about Malcolm X, Martin Luther King until the Black History Month. And then, well, why don't, it doesn't but, but, matter. But why don't we care about hip hop the way that we care about the other genres though? Because I'm not passing matter. down. I'm not passing down. And this is another aspect of it. This, I think I'm you're going to get to what I was going to get to next, Mario. But go ahead. I ain't passing down NWA to my kids. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm not going to do and it. And that's you something know, I was. I'll, well, I'll, I'll say this. Like, do I'll I really want to pass down, you know, all skeet skeet to my kids? <laughs> well, know? I mean, well, 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 well we got to remember this, too, because this is a part of it also. There's a lot of hip hop that came out that was garbage and it got hot. You know what I'm saying? And that's another thing. Exactly, Kenny. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of hip hop. See, a lot of reason why hip hop changes so much is, become, is because, in my opinion, and this, this is why I'm saying changes so much, but I think really the issue is that it's because it's so commercialized, it's all about making the money. They're always looking for the hot new thing. It's, it's, there, and it's, there's no content. And there's, there's no, no content. It doesn't have to be. They're making microwave music. They're right. throwing it in the microwave and they're taking it out. They're not taking time to develop art. That's why Kendrick's albums are good. They, it's artistic. The whole album. And the people sure. don't, people miss that. Like Pippa Butterfly wasn't just one song. You had to listen to the entire album to understand what even the songs were about. But we've been conditioned conditioned to only care about what's hot. Just like when Drake's album came out. When I listen to Drake's album, it sounds like any Drake album. Right. It sounds like all of them. When I listen to Kendrick, every one. It sounds like a continuation of the last one. When I listen to any Kendrick album 
September Butterfly don't sound nothing like Damn. Damn don't sound nothing like Section 80. Don't sound nothing like Good Kid, Mad good City. Kid, it's Mad always Kid. changing. He exactly. changes. It's not about the genre changing. The artists change. But mm. the genre hasn't really changed because if you think about it, going all the way back to Will Smith, and Hammer, it's always been, what's the most commercial? What's your summer song? What's, what's the song you got for the summer? Okay, what's the mm. song you got for the club? Okay, what's the song you got for the yeah. women? Okay, now it's what's the song singles. you got for the streets? It's but now singles. that's the whole, yes. the whole, yes. that's the whole now, that's genre. Yeah, that, That's why I think it's almost, we, we're looking at a, at, at a road that split at a fork, going one way and the other one's going a whole different direction. Pop pop is a totally different thing. I, but I think that's say that you had a lot of people remember when um when Nipsey got that got nominated for the Grammy for Victory Lap it was a lot of people that was that was real salty about that you know what I'm saying? Because they was mad that some commercial ass nigga didn't get nominated for some bullshit ass trap music song that they made. And they were like, well, I feel like people only was doing that with Nipsey because he passed away. That's, that was it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, Victory Lap was fucking artwork, bro. Yeah. And it sounded you know different than saying? any other album out. Nobody else had anything like it. Nothing. And nobody sounds like Nip. And he cared about that project. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't just putting that shit out it there. It took him just fucking to 10 years life. to make that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was his heart and soul that he put into that. And a lot of people felt that. That's why you see all these niggas running around, don't know nothing about L.A. life, don't know nothing about the struggle out here, none of that. But they running around with marathon flags on their on their bio. Crenshaw shirts. That, but, that, that, but, that, but, but that's to ex- be expected. I mean, it's no different than when Pac died. It's no different than when any any of these Biggie Smalls, I mean, Biggie Smalls really only had two albums. They was saying? mad, Ken. They was like, yeah. man, ain't that, this album is boring. Yeah, oh, is, yeah. Oh, a lot of people but hate on that victory that album. Yeah. I already had pop hits. Like they were already no, 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 that's true. Hits. That's true. That's Nip true. literally just made mixtapes up until that album. <laughs> but, 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 but what I'm saying is there was people that wasn't even interested in Pac or Biggie's music. But then when they died, it became like all of a sudden to, they love you. Well, go yeah. to Africa and they got paintings of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, but you know what? But you know what, though? That never bothers me because I always say to myself, if it didn't impact them, they probably wouldn't have put it up. They probably wouldn't have put it up. Right. Because, you know, because if you get to it late, you get to it late. It is what it is. Yeah. I, you, know, you know what? I came to that conclusion too yeah it's no sometimes it's you no, just get to it late you know sometimes you do that's I listen right to a lot of people after they die and i'm yeah. like damn i wish i had known about it when they were alive like this shit right. is because death gives you a different perspective also right you, exactly you kind of get more introspective when death is involved uh it brings up feelings of other things you're in a different headspace and so you may be more receptive to something because it's a different emotional spectrum that's right. involved you, did, you didn't understand because when you listen because I've been on Nipsey since uh, forever. I remember when Victory Lap first came out. I was telling my boy Blau about it. He's one of the people that I I really do respect his knowledge on hip hop, and he was saying it was weak. And I was like, "What?" I was yeah. like, "What the fuck is you listening?" To? I, we kind of had a debate about. It. I was like, "Bro, what are you? Are you serious?" I said, "Maybe you need to listen to it again." I said, but then I had to remember he don't know Nipsey's music and he don't know Nipsey. So the perspective, mm-hmm. if you don't understand where Nipsey comes from, what he's rapping about. To me, when I listen to Nipsey, it's when when Victory Lap came out and then he passed away. I said to myself, you know what? That makes sense because he put in all this work. Finally, get to the Victory Lap. I'm at the end. I'm about to win this race. I don't think there was supposed to be another Nipsey album after that. Yeah, mm. I agree. You waving the, check, the checker flag. Before he, we had this conversation before he passed, like a couple months or so before he passed, and I was listening to Victory Lab, and I remember I told you and T, I said, you know what, bro? I've never heard a hip hop album that like inspired me. Yeah, yeah, yep. To push myself to go to the next level, I said this yep. shit like put a fire under my ass. This is before he died. Yeah, like a yeah. Month before he passed away, I said, damn man, this he basically really- he's basically telling you there ain't no reason why you can't make it. Look what I just had to go through. Right. I think, if I can make it through this, I know you can. And if you do fall down, you can easily get the fuck back up. That's basically what he's saying. The beautiful part for me with that album, <clears throat> and just his work in general, but especially that album, is that it was two things, twofold. One, I felt like it was very inspiring to Black youth from the hood, especially from out yeah. here. Yeah. Um, my The reason why his music touched me the way it did is because, you know, I always felt like nobody cared about us. And, and then that sounds like, 
cliche, but that's literally how I felt growing up. <clears throat> and I think, especially when I got to high school and I would, my, I was crushed when I realized high school didn't look like Saved by the Bell. It right, looked right. like Dangerous Minds. I'm not even exaggerating, <laughs> right? <laughs> LA well, County. my high school did look like Saved by the Bell. I went to Morova. <laughs> but when I went to Mir, it was more like Dangerous Minds. <laughs> right. I was about to say, first of all, don't, don't brag when I'm trying to yeah. stunt in my face. And then you tell me you went to Muir because I worked at Muir for a minute. So, I so you know. I, yeah, I worked with kids at Muir. I used to work with uh, kids who were on probation. So, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. put it like this. I was one of those kids. This is in the 90s, early 90s. I was one of the kids that got kicked. I was so bad, I got kicked out of Muir. That's how Oh, wow. It. I got kicked out of the whole district of Pasadena, man. Oh they wouldn't God. even let me go to continuation school out there. They wouldn't God, let me go man. to Rose City or none of that shit. It's so, like, you got to get all the way out of here. So, this will do, so you're hitting exactly what I was... That's, you're hitting exactly my point. Nipsey was for those youth. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Yep. Um, even though I wasn't one of those kids, I was... I mean, I wasn't a good student per se, but I... And my beef with my school had... Wasn't because I was necessarily getting into trouble. I was an activist and they didn't like that shit. Nice to talk mm-hmm. about shit. <laughs> Going off in the principal's yeah. office, all types of shit. Yeah, Vito so, was one of those kids in <laughs> class president, union representative. No, I actually oh, hated all that shit. I thought that shit was, I'm, I was like, I am now. I hated politics. <laughs> so but you were good. Man. You just happened to be good at it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Barry Sanders told this story about how basketball was actually his first love, not football. Yeah. But he said football just happened to be what he yeah. was, but he never loved football. That's why it was so easy for him to walk away from it right. um, in the prime of his career. He's just like, yeah. I, I never loved football as much as y'all love watching me play. I just happened to be really good at it, but you know, it wasn't. And a lot of people were just mad that he said that, but you know, I mean, but I feel that. But I, but I was never president. I was actually, I wasn't that popular outside of being. People thought I was annoying mostly because (laughs) they thought I was always. I thought everything was racist. So they were like, "You think everything's racist?" Uh, (laughs) Even back then, they were acting like that. Yeah, kids wasn't trying to hear that shit every five minutes about how some movie they liked was racist. All right, y'all. So. That is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good.